Hello and welcome to this episode of So This Works. This is the podcast about lifestyle and business with me, your host, Marcus Lee. On this episode, we're going to talk about something a little bit different because the world is suffering right now. The world is full of racial tension due to the tragic passing of an African-American man named George Floyd, who sadly lost his life at the hands of police on May the 25th, 2020. So on today's episode, we're going to talk about race and why it's such an important issue, even though many of us don't think about it much. We're going to talk about the statement, Black Lives Matter. You may have heard that, and we're going to talk about that next to the statement, All Lives Matter. I'm going to share some of my own experiences of growing up in Bradford and how race has affected my life, and hopefully give you some talking points to go forward with, because we really need this conversation to keep going. So I hope you enjoy this episode. The beat is going to kick in and then we'll get into the episode. Hi, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of So This Works. I always appreciate you taking some time out of your day to listen to my podcast. I don't think my voice has any more importance than the next podcast that you could have chosen to listen to. So I appreciate you taking the time to listen to mine. On today's episode, we are going to talk about race, which is a subject that people don't always feel comfortable talking about. Depending on your life experiences, depending on where you're from, even depending on the colour of your skin, maybe you find it really easy to talk about, maybe you find it difficult to talk about. It's always about our life experiences and things that we've been through that determine how easy we find it to talk about certain subjects. Race can feel like a bit of a hot potato sometimes because we're scared of saying the wrong thing, sometimes because we're scared of offending other people. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk about it. So we are going to talk about it today. And the reason we are talking about it is because of recent tragic events which have happened in the United States. By the way, can I just say that tragic events like the ones that I'm going to talk about happen all the time. It just so happens that we seem to live in a world now where we have more smartphone video cameras out that are capturing these events on camera. So who knows how many of these things happen where they don't get reported and they don't get seen. So we are going to talk about an event which has been seen and has been captured and is really making lots of people sit up and take notice. So just to give you a bit of background about myself uh, in context of this conversation, if you haven't seen my face, if you haven't seen my photo before, I am black. I was born in Britain. My parents are from Jamaica in the West Indies. They moved over to the United Kingdom in the 1960s. I was born here in Bradford, St. Luke's Hospital in 1981, which means I'm almost 40, which is quite scary. But I am black and British. My experience of race and racism growing up as a black person in Bradford will be different to that of a white person who was born in 1981 and has grown up in Bradford simply because of the colours of our skins. Depending on where you've grown up, the people that you spend time with, that will affect your perspective on race. Talking about George Floyd, so the tragic thing is that George Floyd lost his life because he couldn't breathe. For over eight minutes, a police officer held his knee into his neck like he was an animal, like he was a piece of dirt. 
wouldn't afford him the respect of listening to him say, I cannot breathe, and then turning him over so at least he could breathe. Could still still arrest him, still take him to a police station. But if someone says, I can't breathe, and hearing that, you don't think, well, let me at least turn you over so you can breathe. Or at least let me put my ear to, to your mouth so I can hear you breathe. <laughs> I mean, I mean, why? Someone says, I can't breathe, you let them breathe. So as a result of that, we've seen an absolute uproar across the United States and across the world, in fact, that saying, look, police brutality is absolutely shocking. And it's been like this for a long time. And these incidents happen a lot. Sometimes they're caught on camera, sometimes they're not, but we're aware of lots of other cases of black people who've been arrested by police or have been uh, brutalized by the police or have died at the hands of the police. And people across the world are saying, look, we're not going to take this anymore. So in the United States, we've seen rioting, we've seen protests, we've seen marches, we've seen people go to town halls. It's been both positive and negative because obviously we're seeing people who are protesting peacefully and saying, look, we we just want the police brutality to stop. Um, As black people, we don't want to be targets for the police. We don't want to be be murdered over minor offences. We don't want to be... We don't want to have the police called over us just because we're doing very basic things, just like our white friends or our brown friends would be doing. We don't want the police to be called all the time over these things, which often lead to cases of police brutality. So that's what these rights are about. Obviously, some of them have been positive. Some of them have been negative. We've seen some people looting and breaking into stores and shops, which obviously I don't condone. But we've seen this happening as a result of that because people are sick of this. And ultimately, what they are trying to say is, listen, we believe that black lives matter. Now, maybe you've heard that slogan before. Maybe you've heard that hashtag, Black Lives Matter. You've seen it on social media. And you think, well, what's it all about? Why is there this focus on Black Lives Matter? Because every life matters, right? Every life is important. Well, this week, I actually did a a video on social media about this. The video is called Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter. Um, and I've had some really good feedback from that. So if you've watched that, thank you. I appreciate you watching that and and sharing that. If you haven't seen that, you can go to the So This Works YouTube page and see that video, or you can go to the So This Works website, which is sothiswork.co.uk, where that video is there. And what I was talking about in that video is, what does Black Lives Matter really mean? Because you may have heard that, and it does need a bit of clarification because... Yeah, you, you might think, well, all lives matter, right? Why are, are black lives suddenly more important than white lives or brown lives or pick any colour you like lives? And it's not saying that. So I'm just going to explain to you really briefly. Black lives matter isn't saying that black lives are more important than other lives. What it's saying is that at this moment in time or in recent times, we have seen more police brutality towards black lives than we have seen towards people of other colours. And all we're asking for is equal treatment. If a white person is arrested, you treat them the same as you would treat a black person. If a black person has committed a crime, you treat them the same as how you would if it was a white person or a brown person. We're just asking for equal treatment because what we often see is we see a white person who's been arrested and they get handcuffed and they get taken down to the police station. If you were to contrast that situation with a black person, most of the time you get a black person approached with weapons and guns by the police, getting them to lie down on the ground. And in several cases in recent years, we've seen black people shot at. In the video that I shared earlier this week, I showed 
two cases of police treatment, one of them towards a black person, one of them towards a white person. In the first video case, I showed the treatment towards a, a, a young man in 2014, 12 years old, young man, a child, 12 years old. Uh, this young person was called Tamir Rice. Um, police were called because he reportedly had a toy pistol in a park. The police arrived and within two seconds of their arriving, they shot him. They shot him and he died. 12 years old, Tamir Rice lost his life. The second example I showed you was of an older white gentleman who was stood in the street with what looked more like a rifle, waving it around, and police came out, and instead of them shooting him within two minutes, they stood and they talked with him for 40 minutes to try and calm the situation down. And they managed to disarm him and calm him down, and they didn't shoot him, and he didn't lose his life, and he, he lived to tell the tale. All that Black Lives Matter is saying is, look, we just want that equal treatment. Tamir Rice shouldn't have lost his life that day. 12 years old, shouldn't have lost his life. He had a toy pistol, a toy pistol. Approach him, say, put the gun down, ask him questions, whatever it required. But he was shot within two seconds of arriving. The other gentleman, please check out the video. The other gentleman was fine, was, was absolutely fine. They talked to him for 40 minutes. Two minutes versus 40 minutes. And at the end of those videos, one of those persons lived to tell the tale. That's all we're asking for, equal treatment. So that's what Black Lives Matter is really about. And this case today in regards to George Floyd is why people are protesting, why people are marching again, why people are saying, no, we are so sick and tired of this because this is one of hundreds of cases which, which has happened in recent years. Like I said, Tamir Rice happened in 2014 and 2020, you know, it, it feels like nothing's changed. The second injustice why people are rioting and protesting in regards to saying that Black Lives Matter is because often in these cases where black people die at the hands of police, which is tragic enough, that is the major tragedy. The second thing which really upsets people is because often the police never have to face justice or when they do face justice or when it does go through the courts, often the courts say, not guilty, don't worry about it, yeah. There's a black person, they looked scary, they appeared to be resisting arrest. Yes, I understand, police officer, you were scared for your life. That's absolutely fine. Not guilty, you go home and, and you go back to your job and, and keep doing what you're doing. So the black community often says, well, someone was killed over a $20 counterfeit bill or a person was killed because they had a water pistol and... We don't see that as, as wrong. We don't see the loss of life as being worthy of trying this person and, and sending them to prison because they've taken someone's life unnecessarily. It's not a case of uh, a black person who was shooting into a crowd or was trying to kill everybody and therefore the police took their lives. So you feel like there's justification in the police shooting or taking the life of that black person. We're talking about counterfeit bills. We're talking about someone who was selling loose cigarettes. We're talking about someone who was running from the police because the police held a gun on the, uh, pointed a gun at them we're, we're, we're talking about reasons like this and we think that's fine yeah we understand why you took the life of that person that's not all right another reason why i feel like there's a real injustice in regards to how black people are treated by police is because often these incidents happen in areas which are deprived which are probably less desirable to live in if you're wealthy 
So the treatment of a black person in an area like Detroit or an area of Chicago, which isn't so nice, and police often treat black people badly, throw them to the ground, point guns at them, hands behind their back, throw them on the ground, put their knees onto their necks. You can't imagine that happening in an area like Beverly Hills. Can't imagine police officers turning up and arresting a white person and putting them on the ground and treating them badly because those are the areas where people are rich and wealthy and have money and can afford expensive lawyers and will take you to court and will sue the police and will make the police look bad. And you can't, you just can't imagine that happening. So it doesn't happen in those areas. But it happens in areas where black people are, where where there's not lots of money, where there's not lots of status, where people can't stand up and say, hey, don't treat me like that because I'll sue you because often money wins and poverty doesn't. So you will always treat people with wealth and power different to how you will treat those who are less wealthy, less fortunate. And that's unfortunately how the world appears to work. It's, it's really sad. There's a couple of great analogies which I've seen online, and you may have seen these too, especially if you've clicked on some of the Black Lives Matter hashtags or the All Lives Matter hashtags. A great one that I first saw, and I, I used the example in the video, is of a house that is on fire and a house that is next door to that house that's on fire and isn't on fire. And a person comes out with a fire hose and they start spraying water towards the house that is not on fire. And they're saying, all houses matter. And what the person next to them is saying, well, could you not spray water on the house that is on fire? Because that's the house that needs the water right now. That's the, the, that's the house that is in danger of, of falling down. But the person who's holding the hose is saying, well, all houses matter. So yeah, I, I should, I should, I'm going to spray this house because what if the fire goes onto my house? I, I don't want it to happen because all houses matter. And the other person is saying, no, look, that house is on fire. That is the house that needs the attention right now. That is why we're saying black lives matter because right now at this moment, it's black lives that are at risk. It's black people that are dying at the hands of police. So we're not saying all lives don't matter. We're just saying at this moment in time, it's the black lives that are most vulnerable to to dying, to being lost at the hands of the police. I saw another great little cartoon, which is about a person, about a person on the floor saying, ah, my leg's hurting, my leg, please get me some help. And then there's a bystander saying, well, what about my legs? What about my legs? You know, aren't my legs as important? Another injustice, and then I'm going to move on, but another injustice that um, I think the black community sometimes get tired of is that when we see black people die at the hands of the police, instead of getting on the side of that person who has tragically lost their life, what media outlets often tend to do is try and find faults in that deceased person's life. So if a person like George Floyd lost his life at the hands of the police, well, we say, well, he wasn't a hero. He, he was no angel. He he did some crime, you know, when he was 20. He did something bad or he maybe smoked some marijuana or, you know, he'd been arrested before. So this was no angel, i.e. in order to justify why this was a bad person who more or less deserved to lose his life. You know, the police were doing a good job because this was a bad person. And I don't know in what other community that when someone dies and shouldn't have died... Instead of just saying, this is really sad that this happened and we don't want this to happen again, we then somehow dig into their past and we try to find all the reasons why this person was a bad person and, and didn't really deserve to be alive. 
I don't see you do this in any other racial group. And that's upsetting. So people hate that and they want to see that stop. So to continue this conversation about race and challenging issues in regards to race, we all have something that we call bias or unconscious bias. And unconscious bias is basically you are biased towards certain groups of people or certain individuals and you don't even realize it because it's just something that's within you. So if we use a football example, you could be a Manchester United fan like me, best team in the world. And, you know, subconsciously, whenever something is said about a Liverpool fan or an Arsenal fan or a Manchester City fan, you automatically have a negative feeling towards them. You automatically do. Doesn't matter if they've done something that is good or bad. You just take the perspective of whatever they're doing must be bad because they support a team that is against my team. So I am biased automatically against you know anyone that doesn't support Manchester United. Probably a silly example, but I'm using it. So when you talk about racial biases, it means you have you you have biases towards people of certain races. And I'm going to explain this using the city of Bradford. So when people raise their eyebrows about Bradford in relation to race, it's about some of the things I'm going to talk about. I did some research many, 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 many moons ago about Bradford's racial breakdown in terms of population. Bradford has roughly half a million people in it. And when you break down the percentages of groups in Bradford, Bradford was something like 70% white British, 20% originated from South Asia. So families, communities that would have moved to Bradford from Pakistan, India and Bangladesh and other countries. And then 10% every other. The Afro-Caribbean community would have been classed in that, that 10%. That's probably changed today. I think we've got more Eastern European families in Bradford than we had 30 years ago. So that's always changing. I should probably do some research on what it's like today. But I'm going to talk specifically about the South Asian community in Bradford. When you go back to the riots of 2001, we had riots where large members of the South Asian community were out on the streets rioting. Um, What had basically happened is there was talk of a far-right march coming to Bradford, uh, people marching on the streets um, because, you know, Bradford is one of those cities where we've got a large non-white population. (laughs) You know, when, when people like the EDL, when they want to do a march through a city and stir up trouble, they don't go to places like Harrogate, they don't go to... Cheshire (laughs) they don't go to Chelsea they they come to Bradford they go to places like Birmingham and and Leicester where you've got uh, you've got more of a multicultural mix where you've got large numbers of South Asian people and black people so a far-right group wanted to come to Bradford and march and lots of people said we don't want that and it turned into what we now call the Bradford riots where people went out into the street and were fighting with police and throwing bricks and looting and doing lots of things that they shouldn't have been doing. But lots of those people were from the South Asian community. So what then happened is our local Bradford newspaper, The Telegraph and Argus, started showing the faces of people that had been involved in the riot, saying, let's arrest these people. Let's arrest these men. Let's arrest these women who've been throwing bricks, who've been looting, who've been causing damage let's find them we've got their faces on cctv and we are now printing their faces let's find them and arrest them if anyone loots if anyone damages something rightly so yeah we need to find them we need to arrest them they need to face justice that is right 
As a result of these faces being printed, however, lots of these people, sometimes who had thrown a brick uh, for the first time, done something stupid for the first time, ended up with prison sentences. Some would argue that's harsh. Some would argue that's not harsh enough. Whatever your perspective is on that, I'll let you discuss that. However, lots of people just thought this is this is terrible. Asian people are just looting our streets. They are criminals. This is what Asian people are like in our city. They all need to go to prison. That's what they're like. And they're going to prison. Good. So Bradford, even though we have lots of different cultures in the city of Bradford, even though we've got, you know, lots of white people, lots of black people, lots of Asian people, there is still some segregation in Bradford. There are still some racial divides. There are still cases of, we live here and you live over there. We are white and we live in this neighborhood here. If you are from Pakistan, you probably live in that neighborhood over there. If you are black, we've got a really small black population in Bradford, but you probably live in this area. So Bradford in 2020 is still massively segregated. And that's sad. I don't know if that will ever change. I hope it does, but we still have segregation. But here's something really interesting that I've noticed when certain groups of people are reported on in our Telegraph and Argus, in our local newspaper, in the online edition, and generally in media up and down the country. Say you have a group of young people who commit a crime. Say it's a group of young people who are hanging out on a street corner and creating an atmosphere of antisocial behaviour. If you have five white young people creating trouble on the streets... The media and the commenting people on those forums will often say, that's a bad group of kids. They're just a bad group of kids. They just need to go home and, and stop messing about. However, if that's an Asian group of young people, the way that people comment on that is, it's Asians, isn't it? That's how Asians are. That's what Asians do. They're, they're just bad culturally. Culturally, that's their culture, and they're just unruly. I don't know if you've picked up on the, the two examples I've given you there, or the two differences. When we refer to white young people doing something wrong, they're just bad people. When we refer to some young people from the South Asian community, it's Asians, and that's how, the, that's how they are culturally. With one, we just see them as people. When you add colour into the mix, we start talking about their culture. Another example, if some white British young people are joyriding, and they are joyriding around the streets of Bradford, and that gets reported in the Telegraph and Argus, if you go to the comments section, you will see the comments read something along the lines of, terrible. Bad kids, bad kids, bad kids just need to go home and sort themselves out. Where are the parents? A group of Asian young kids driving, joyriding, it'll be ugh, those Asians again, those Asians. Those Leeds Road kids driving around that area of BD3, it's reckless, it's reckless. Asians are like that. And again, it's a reference to culture. It's a reference to where people are from. It's a, it's a reference to skin colour. And it happens all the time. That is an unconscious thing that people do when they comment on these forums that they see white people as white people and if a white person does something bad it's because you know they're a bad person if um if an asian person does it it's because they're they're a muslim it's because they're different to us it's because they're internally violent or it's it's just mad it's it's a subconscious bias towards certain groups of people that way of thinking happens all over the world and i'll explain how i'll give you another example if you look at cases where there's been a mass shooting so a white person has gone into 
a building. And by the way, can I just say, I'm not picking on white people, because white people are, are, are wonderful. I'm not picking on white people today. I'm just using examples. But if there's been a mass shooting and a white person goes into a crowd of people and shoots 20 people and kills them, it's often reported as a tragic incident where we had a lone wolf who had some mental health issues and they needed to be taken down and they've been taken down, but that's who that person was. But if we change those rules slightly, and instead of the white person, we make them a brown person who also happens to claim to be a Muslim who goes into a crowd and shoots 20 people, the media will then report that this person committed an act of terrorism. And every person who commit who comments on social media will refer to this act of terrorism and how all Muslims are bad and how they follow a religion of anger and violence and hatred. And as a result, we now need to, we need to put new laws into place and we need to ban Muslims coming into our space, our country for a long period of time. Both people commit acts of terror. Both people commit acts of hatred in the name of something. However, the dark-skinned person is labelled as the terrorist and it's related to a certain religion and we, we view that person differently based on the colour of their skin. Do you understand what I mean now when I'm talking about an unconscious bias? This is the conversation that we need to have and we need to understand why we sometimes think like this, where those thoughts, where those ideas come from. I'll be really honest with you. I have my own experiences of of bias um, and I've had to check myself. And because we're having this conversation, I'm going to say some really honest things as well and, and explain where I've sometimes been wrong and how sometimes you develop a feeling towards certain groups of people. I'm going to share a, a quick experience that happened to my family probably about eight years ago now. So in 2012, my mum, my beautiful mum, my mum was out shopping and she was in an Asda supermarket in Bradford. And basically, my mum was mugged. It wasn't a violent mugging, but she was she was mugged. She was in the supermarket. She had her purse, more or less, in the front of the trolley. And she was approached by a person from, from an Eastern European country. She, she, she wasn't sure at the time. So, for example, let's say, let's just say, for example, this person was from Slovakia. So she was approached by this person, a lady who said to my mum, excuse me, could you point me in the direction of the fruit? And my mum kindly said, yeah, if, I think if you go down that aisle, if you turn around there, that's where you'll find the fruit. She pointed the lady in the right direction and she walked off and she had two friends with her. And, you know, they, they all walked off together to get the fruit. My mum then got to the tills and then realised her purse was gone. Her purse was missing and it had been taken. She looked around for it and then she reported it to the security staff. And the security staff went to the security cameras and they retraced her steps. And then they found on camera this moment when this lady and two gentlemen with her had played this role in this mugging where the lady had distracted my mum, got my mum to point in the direction of where the fruit was. And while my mum was turning into the direction, these other two men had basically taken my mum's purse out of the trolley and walked off a mugging. So the security cameras had caught all of that. I don't know why the security cameras and the security staff didn't see that at the moment when it happened because that's what they're there to do, right? Anyway, so this happened and my mum rang me from the other side of town and said, Marcus, this has happened to me. I've been mugged. Um, these three people, um, I described them. They were Eastern European, um, took my purse and now 
the police have been called. I remember at the time the feeling of anger and pure just frustration at the fact of, of, of three people mugging my mum, taking something from my mum. And the thought that I had at the time, and this is the thought I want to talk about, the thought I had was, I cannot believe that you have Slovakian people coming to this country and, and stealing from people who are, who are from here. I don't know if you've heard something like that before, because I have. But that was the thought. I'll say it again. My thought was, I cannot believe people are coming to this country and stealing from us. And I had that thought. I had that thought. I'll be really honest. I had that thought because I checked myself. I had that thought for about 10 minutes. Because the, the, the second thought that I had was, actually, Marcus, it's not all Slovakian people that are like that. These three individuals came and they did something terrible. That's not millions of people. That's three people that did that. That's not an entire country that did that. That's three bad individuals. That's three bad eggs. So I checked myself and I had to look myself in the, in the mirror and say, Marcus, don't think that you're stupid. You're wrong. Don't think that. Don't say that. And I've not really told many people that, but I'm telling lots of you now. But I had that thought for a second and I had to really deal with it. But that's what happens when we we blanket people based on incidents that happen to us. So we see a person of a certain colour commit a crime and then we then think, well, all people are like that of that colour. If you meet a person or a few people from a, a certain race or a certain culture and that's the first time you've met that individual or those people and you make assumptions about them based on what they've said or how you've seen them act, there's a danger that you can then decide that every person from that race, from that culture, is like that. You can put millions upon millions of millions of people into a box based on your experience of meeting one person. So for example, say you go to Turkey, and on your holiday you go to a couple of restaurants, and in all the restaurants that you go to, you find the waiters to be quite rude or abrupt or not very helpful. When you come back off your holiday, your experience of Turkish waiters is that they seem to be quite rude. So you'll tell all your friends, I went to Turkey, but yeah, I found the service really bad. The, the waiters, Turkish waiters are, are, are always rude to you. So what you've then done is you've come home and you've pigeonholed an entire country, an entire group of people, based on your experiences of a few waiters. And you share that with everyone else and you share your experiences and you spread your message about how Turkish people are. Now, the truth is you had a bad experience with three or four waiters. That doesn't re represent an entire country of people. Oh, here's another case that's a little bit more true to life. In the United Kingdom in recent years, we've seen a number of grooming gangs which have been brought to light. Um, Asian men in certain parts of the north of England who have groomed young girls, these sex gangs, which are absolutely horrific, horrible, horrible, and the men deserve to go to prison and be punished. They really do because it's, it's horrendous what, they, what they've done. That's some individuals. That's not every Asian man in the United Kingdom. But then what happens for some people is they then put all Asian men into the same box and they say, well, look at those grooming gangs. Look at that. That's what Asian men are like. That's what all Asian men are like. They're all groomers. They're all preying on young white women. And that's a ridiculous thought to have. I'll, it's a stupid thought to have. I'll say that. It's a really stupid thought. Because if you can assume that the actions of six people represent every single Asian man across the world, then you're absolutely mad. 
if you really watch the news and you look at how many mass shootings have taken place in the United States, the majority of which have been white males, lone wolves, supposedly with mental health issues, how many of those have been white males? That, to me, doesn't mean that every white male across the world is a mass shooter. If I thought that, I'd be putting everyone in the same box. So why should we do that with black people? Why should we do that with brown people? Why should we do that with white people? The fact is we shouldn't do that with anybody. But just like I said with the example that I used with the three people from Eastern Europe, and I was quick to put them into a box based on the experience, based on the negative experience that I'd had in regards to what had happened to my mum, I realised very quickly that I was doing it. I saw myself doing it. I was doing it from a place of anger and a place of frustration. But I had to rise above that quickly by thinking about it properly, by taking myself out of my anger and thinking, hang on a minute, is this every Eastern European person? No, it's not. It's these three bad apples. So I had to be careful not to pigeonhole everyone based on my actions. And you need to do that as well. If you do see people of a certain race or from a certain culture as being all the same because you once had a bad experience or because you heard something on the news that was negative, maybe today it's time to check yourself and reassess what you think of that group of people and why you think that about the group of people. So how do we move forward? As you know, the news cycles move so fast. And my fear is that whilst we're talking about George Floyd today and the tragic loss of his life and why we need to see change. We know that in two weeks, maybe something else will have taken our attention. We'll be focusing on Corona again. We'll be talking about Brexit and then the issue of race sort of takes a back seat again. And it shouldn't because it should be an ongoing conversation. So how do we do that? Well, I've got a couple of ideas. Here are some thoughts which, you know, please listen, take these on board. If you like, you don't have to, but I think it'd be good if you did because <laughs> it's just going to help us all. I really believe that race needs to become a regular part of our daily conversations, what I call our water cooler conversations. Do you know what a water cooler conversation is? It's just one of those that you have in your office when you're at work, when you're on your break, you're at the water cooler, you're at the vending machine and you start talking about whatever's going on in the world right now. You talk about what was on television last night. You talk about who was good in Britain's Got Talent and do you think they're going to go through and you say, hey, did you watch the game yesterday? Or did you watch that movie last night? Or yeah, did you go down to the bar the other day? Or, oh yeah, have you heard what, you know, is going on in Brexit? That issues of race and especially about police brutality, which is what we started talking about at the, at the start of this podcast. We talk about these things because often we don't know that these things are happening. But we need to know these things are happening because if you know they're happening, then it'll start to bother you. And if you know they're happening, then you start to educate yourselves. So we need to talk about this because the entire reason why we're talking about George Floyd is because millions upon millions of people in parts of the world that we might not be familiar with, I've started to take a stand and say, this has to stop. It's 2020. We have seen too many black people die at the hands of police that have died unnecessarily, have died needlessly. They didn't need to die. People are losing their lives. It is shocking and it is wrong. And if it was me, if my life was at risk, I'd also want people to stand up. I'd also want millions of people to stand up and take a stand. So that's why it needs to be a regular part of the conversation because often we don't know that police brutality exists. I'm, I'm, I'll admit that I've never been a victim of police brutality and for most of you listening as well, I'm guessing that you haven't either. But the, the, the fact that it may be happening in certain parts of the world is wrong. 
and we need to take a stand for it. And if we do take a stand for it and we do protest peacefully and we do march, then we'll see some changes because all that Black Lives Matter is saying is we want this brutality to stop and we need to bring it to the attention of the masses. And if we do bring it to the attention and we do protest and we do campaign against it, then we will see a change and we will see equal treatment for black people alongside people of other races. That's all that we want to happen. That's all that we want to happen. So it needs to become a regular part of the conversation. Also, we do need to educate ourselves to what's going on around the world. Like I said, if you don't flick on the news much, I understand that because sometimes the news can be negative and sometimes it can be sad and, you know, you just want to hear some good news, but we need to be aware of what's going on around the world. And also, you know, listen to, whilst I'm on that topic, listen to various news sources because sometimes we we have our favourite news sources, but sometimes you need to listen to lots of them because certain news channels can come with a certain bias, they can come with their perspective, a political perspective, they can come with they can report what they want to report and leave out certain segments of the story. So be brave and listen to lots of different news segments or read different newspapers and research and make your own mind up about what's happening. But we need to educate ourselves and we need to listen. I said this in the video that I put on social media, me learning about the suffragette movement. For anyone who doesn't know, the suffragette movement was about women campaigning for the right to vote. And I didn't learn that in school. Or maybe I did and I didn't listen, I'll be honest. Uh, but I don't remember learning that in school. But I remember uh, about five years ago, I went to see a film at the cinema called Suffragette. It was a movie directed by Sarah Gavron. It stars Kerry Mulligan. And it was about women fighting for the right to vote. And I never knew about that. I didn't know about the fight that women had to go through. I didn't know the challenges. I didn't know that women died for the right to vote. And I didn't know that even in 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 our modern times that women in certain countries around the world are still fighting for the right to vote. But I didn't know that, but I now know a little bit about that. I'm not an expert in it, but I'm aware of the cause that affects other people. And sometimes we don't educate ourselves unless it benefits us. So we think, well, I'm not going to educate myself unless it's going to benefit me financially. So I will go to university because that's going to benefit my future career prospects. I'm going to go on this training course because it's going to mean I can do more in my job. I'll be able to climb up the 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 financial ladder. My pay grade will go up. We don't educate ourselves unless it affects us. So I can say that whilst I'm no expert on the suffragette movement and there's still lots that I don't know about it, I was willing to learn something about about women even though that it didn't directly affect me i don't want to say that i'm going to learn about the suffragette movement when i have a 16 year old daughter who is learning about it and then she's fighting for voting rights so because it affects her it affects someone who is close to me i then get interested in that we need to be interested in things that affect our fellow brothers and sisters we need to be willing to learn about things that affect the people around us and people across the other side of the world from us as well. It's important to them. It should be important to us. We need to be educated on things that are happening, even if we don't see them. We have this saying of out of sight, out of mind. But just because you don't see it happening, doesn't mean that it's not happening. People are being killed. And if you don't see it, doesn't mean that the problem doesn't exist. It's still happening. And we still need to care about that. It's called having humanity. We need to care about our fellow human beings. We need to care about everybody's well-being. And the final point I make is that we all need to be willing to ask questions. We need to be willing to learn and we all need to be willing to get it slightly wrong. 
And we all need to risk being slightly embarrassed. We all need to risk the possibility of saying the wrong thing. I'm a black person and I've grown up with people who have wanted to touch my hair because they think, oh, is your hair different to mine? My hair's straight and yours is curly, Marcus. What does it feel like? And people wanting to touch my hair. I've asked people ask me, oh, do you, do you tan or you don't tan, do you? Or what, what's your skin like? And asking me awkward questions like that. And whilst I don't really like those questions and they're a bit odd, if people are wondering these things about race, about culture, about differences... We just need to have those conversations. And all we need to do is is look at the intentions of the person asking the question. Are they generally wanting to learn something about race or are they just being difficult? Are they trying to stir the pot and stir up tension? I've spoken to people who have had conversations with me about race. They've asked questions about black culture in the same way that I've asked about white culture. And we have those conversations and we discuss differences and we discuss, you know, their experiences growing up and my experiences growing up. And you ask awkward questions. And at the end of those conversations, we say, well, it's good that we had this conversation. But so many times people are scared of having those conversations because they're scared of saying the wrong thing or they're scared that if they say something that maybe was slightly inappropriate from a place of just a lack of knowledge or a lack of understanding that they'll offend someone. So, you know, I'll never ask that question again. Listen, we should be trying to offend each other. We shouldn't be trying to put the cat amongst the pigeons. We shouldn't be trying to rub each other up the wrong way. We should be asking questions because we want to learn, because we want to understand each other better. That's the only reason we should be asking questions and because we want to understand and empathize with each other. Those questions are good. So we should be willing to ask questions of each other and be willing to learn more about race. If you didn't understand the Black Lives Matter thing, I hope this podcast and doing a bit more research helps you to understand why all lives matter isn't really important at this moment in time. My sister put a good post on social media recently and she was using the example of Black Lives Matter and saying, look, this is why we're not saying all lives matter right now. If there was a day of remembrance about the Holocaust, if we were remembering people who went through that tragic experience, if we were looking at survivors, if we were focusing on Jewish lives, we'd be talking about Jewish lives matter. That would not be the time to say Black Lives Matter. That will not be the time to say all lives matter. That will not be the time to say white lives matter. Because at that moment in time, we would be focusing on Jewish lives. It's about what is happening at the moment in time. And at this moment in time, with the tragic death of George Floyd and several others, several others, George Floyd is is not the only person to have lost his life recently. George Floyd is not the only one. But for this moment in time, because of the focus that this tragedy has, has highlighted and is brought to our attentions, We're talking about Black Lives Matter. And the last thing I'll say about George Floyd is I've heard people say recently he he was no hero. He was no angel. He wasn't perfect. He was a bad person. He'd done some bad things when he was younger. So he was certainly no angel. And that, that question, is he a hero? And what I think is this is George Floyd has died. He's lost his life. But as a result of that, we are seeing a worldwide movement where people are talking about the importance of life. We're talking about Black Lives Matter. We're talking about police brutality. We're talking about how we need to see changes. We're talking about how we need to see certain actions and movements and behaviours by police. We're talking about how we need to see that stop. 
that's called leaving a legacy. Millions of people around the world are protesting. Millions of people around the world are sitting up and paying attention. Millions of people around the world are saying, this is wrong. This needs to stop. We need to make a difference. We need to see a difference. That's called leaving a legacy. So in my eyes, George Floyd didn't want to die that day. He didn't want to lose his life. He just wanted to breathe. But has he died as a hero? I'd say yeah, because he's going to be remembered for making a change. But we help that change to happen if we keep the conversation going. If we decide that we are going to stand up for what's right, we're going to stand up for equal treatment of all. I just want to say thank you for listening to this podcast. I know it's been very different to the usual fare of self-employment and business and finding a career that you love. But it's also important to find a life that you love and by working on your well-being and also the well-being of others around you and caring about people who need caring for and caring about people who don't necessarily benefit you, but you can benefit them. It's all about looking after each other. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. Please check out the other podcast episodes that are on the website, sothisworks.co.uk. And I hope to engage with you again soon. Check out the next one. Have a great rest of the day, rest of the night, rest of the evening, whatever you do. Share this with someone else. Tell someone about it. Tell them to listen. I hope it helps them too. But I really hope it's helped you. Thanks for listening. Take care. Well, you've made it this far, so thanks for listening to this episode of So This Works. I hope these insights and conversations help to inspire you, and please come back for the next one, which I hope will encourage you in some way. For more information about the podcast, please visit the website sowthisworks.co.uk, and I hope you'll join me again soon. And until next time, take care.